So good morning, you know, today I wanted to share with you something I've uh, you know, gotten a real good uh, tune up at this last uh, Spirit Rock teachers retreat. Spirit Rock, um, you know, offers a retreat for the teachers every year in September and uh, there is always a teacher invited to teach the teachers. And this year it was uh, Anam Tupten, who is a Nyingma Sokchan master who has a center in Richmond in the East Bay. And he's a very accomplished and kind teacher. He grew up, you know, in Tibet when he was young as a child, you know, without electricity in a very remote village with his grandparents. So he has some very traditional roots but then he came to the West and is married with an American woman and has two daughters and has, you know, very well integrated his teaching into the Western culture and is capable, you know, to speak to a broad spectrum of people. And because of his insight and deep, he's a Rinpoche actually, but he doesn't use the title because of his deep insight, he has the capacity to really, you know, pass that on in a very simple way. So he's, he's capable of, uh, you know, bringing it really to the point. And so it was a great pleasure for all of us to be able to spend time with him. And, you know, this morning I was thinking I'd like to just speak to a few of the main points, which stood out for me uh, at this teaching and you know in the Sokchan tradition they are called the pit instructions or sometimes also pointing out instructions where the teacher you know uses particular sentences you know to help the student to see the true nature of the mind and uh, that's done, you know, in a, in a guided meditation. How I often teach here as well, you know, I just give a short introduction, then we go into a guided meditation. And I just try to pass on some of what I've learned from Anam Tupten. And I think the main points, you know, he was speaking to was to remember from time to time not to follow our thoughts. So, you know, from time to time, when we are really caught up in thinking about something, to just for a moment say, don't follow your thought, to really say that like a mantra, you know. And that gives a little, a momentary opening. So that was one of the main things he said. And then the next thing he said, you know, really paying attention to the gaps between the thoughts. So whenever there is a gap, to really pay attention to this gap. Because this gap, you know, this crack in the habitual river of thoughts, this gap is actually a glimpse of Nibbana or a little Nibbana, how my first teacher, Ajahn Buddhadasa, called it. And the third point, he said, always remember to ask yourself, what is the state of my mind right now? And try to help everyone, you know, including ourselves. What is the state of my mind right now? And try to help everyone, including ourselves. 
So these three pit instructions he shared with us. And I think, you know, if we wanna boil that down to one sentence which summarizes all of this, I'd say the sentence is, the main question would be, you know, what is the difficulty here? And rather than thinking about it, really sensing into that in the body, attuning ourselves to what's happening in the body, most likely, you know, it's some kind of a contraction if it is connected with greed or hatred or confusion. Is some kind of contraction in some area of the body and to really sense into that. Not thinking about it, but directly experiencing it. And, you know, as I've said uh, several times, you know, wisdom is personal experience understood. To really, you know, stand under that personal experience, which means to really open up to the sensations in the body rather than splitting off you know the discomfort into the head and then thinking and thinking and thinking about it what we usually do but as soon as we catch ourselves remember not to follow your thoughts and come back down into the body and sensing what is happening there and you know, and then if through that kind of a practice, through the capacity to be with the discomfort, then, you know, the light comes in through those cracks. And then we suddenly understand, oh, you know, it's just another life experience. It's not my personal problem alone. It's just another life experience. And all of those experiences are impermanent, and they are conditioned. And as soon as we have that access, then there is a moment of letting go. There's a gap, you know, in the consistent hamster wheel, you know, of the conditioned mind. There is a gap, and then there's another gap, and another gap. And there's also natural gaps, you know, when the mind really doesn't hold on to a pattern, but most often it goes unnoticed. And, and the practice is about noticing those gaps, that they are occurring naturally. And at the same time, also working on stepping out of the conditioned mind again and again, as soon as we remember it. And the word mindfulness, uh, the root of the word mindfulness or sati in the Pali language is actually means to remember to remember what's happening, what's happening in the mind right now. And then letting go of that pattern for a moment at least. And you know, uh, my teacher in England, uh, Archon Sumedo, he always said, you know, it's like this. It's like this, there's no need, you know, to kind of argue and chew it over and go back to it again and again and again, but just seeing it for what it is. And, you know, in the beginning, I always thought this is it's just too simple. I mean, how can that really be, you know, a practice to just say it's like this? And, you know, and that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do anything about it. 
Sometimes, you know, things need to be done, things need to be sorted out. If Heda wants to go to India, she needs to go and uh, book a ticket, you know, and pack her luggage and all of that and make sure she has a passport. So there is things which need to be done. But if that doing, you know, comes from an understanding that this is how the world works, you know, this is how it is, if we are caught, you know, in, in, in the world and this is how it can be if we are not caught in it. But still, you know, we need to respond. And there's a big difference, you know, between reacting and responding. And the word responsibility, you know, also comes from that same capacity to respond rather than react. And if we are able to respond, we can take responsibility. Because there's a, a sense of space, you know, around experience, and then we can choose to step forward. So I really found that very helpful, you know, to have that pointed out again by Anam Tupten in such a simple but very deep way. And, you know, really feeling our emotions and sensing what's going on in the body and allowing that to open us up into a bigger flow by seeing, you know, this is impermanent, this is uncomfortable and unsatisfactory and empty of a self. It's that insight, you know, which gets triggered if we allow ourselves to be opened up by our experience into a bigger view. And in the Sokchan tradition, they always speak about the view the view, you know, seeing things in context, seeing the big picture, not being completely kind of lost, you know, in, in what's going on. This is such a simple way, you know, of summarizing what the practice is all about. And then, you know, this morning I also looked into the Tao Te Ching, you know, if they're for a one of the chapters, you know, which speaks to that same thing also. And I want to share that with you. And it goes like this. When the master runs into a difficulty, she stops and gives herself to it. She doesn't cling to her own comfort. Thus, problems are no problem for her. She doesn't cling to her own comfort. Thus, problems are no problem for her. So then whatever happens, you know, in life is a teaching for us, a teaching to help us grow individually and collectively. You know, and that brings us again and again, you know, to the current eco-cultural or eco-social crisis, you know, where we are noticing that so many things are no longer really working very well. And the way, you know, how we are conducting our lives are driving us to the brink of extinction if we don't wake up, you know, if we don't really adjust to the truth. And I think the discomfort, you know, which is connected with that 
realization is what drives so many people into distraction. And it's understandable, you know. But this uh, group here, you know, on those Wednesdays, morning meetings, we, we really like to develop the resiliency to be able to really turn towards this. To, you know, allow the discomfort to open us up. And to, you know, build a community together, a community space which can hold that discomfort and uncertainty. Knowing, you know, that this is the only way forward. We can't really, you know, turn away from it and just hope that somebody else is going to take care of it because it depends on the waking up of many individuals. There is no savior, man or God who is going to do it for us. We need to do it together. You know, society, the citizens of the world need to wake up and need to go out and press for change. And it has already had many good results, but it's not enough yet. We need to go further. We need to continue and In order, you know, to be able to access the right strategies, we need to be able to sense into those gaps, you know, when the mind isn't caught in old patterning. That's, you know, where creativity resides, in those gaps between the thoughts. This is where the light comes through the cracks. This is where the new solutions are emerging out. And we need spaces, you know, collectively where we can together do this work. You know, giving space for these new solutions to show themselves. And... Uh, you know, that's, that's uh, the work we can do in these online sessions together to create a space where we can together learn this and build this resiliency together. And it doesn't mean, you know, we have to work hard, but it, it means, you know, to step out of these patterns of the mind, which tells us, you know, it's, it's too late or we don't know what to do or we need to wait for somebody else to do it. We are powerless. All of these different stories which come up from time to time. To step out of, of that. So just uh, let's find a posture which is comfortable enough and alert enough to go deeper into the body. And, you know, allowing the breath to take us in deeper.
really listening, you know, with our full awareness, full mindfulness to what you find as you connect with your body. And if you notice, you know, that the mind wanders off, just gently bring it back. And also noticing, you know, the emotional state right now, what you're bringing with you. And the state of the mind. Feel stressed or relaxed. Just seeing what you are bringing and, and building the capacity to connect with what's happening in the moment. Because if we can connect, you know, what's happening in the moment in our own bodies and minds, from there, then we can go deeper. Because our body and the planet are the same. But first we need to open up to our own experience and then from there we can go deeper. Building this uh, connective tissue. You know, they're allowing our nervous system to guide us. And in sensing the gravity, you know, which is gently pulling us towards the soil, the planet, showing us, you know, where we belong at this time when we are reincarnated here as human beings on the planet. That's where the work lies. We can't go somewhere else because this body needs to be here. It needs to be nourished. It needs to drink, needs to breathe. It's completely dependent on the biosphere. And that's our working situation. For now, we need to come to terms with that. And, you know, looking after the way we conduct ourselves inside of that biosphere is part of the teaching. It's part of what we need to look at.
you know, as the biosphere is reflecting back to us in no uncertain ways that something is not quite adding up anymore. So the reckoning, you know, for our species is we are finding ourselves, you know, on a threshold. We could call it an evolutionary threshold. And we know about it. And it has emerged into consciousness over the last 20 years or so, you know, that more and more people start to connect with that truth. It has emerged into the mainstream. And by today, it's about 60% of the American uh, population knows about this. So it's more than half of the population. There's lots of organizations and nonprofits and politicians working on this. You know, as we waking up to the fact that we need to change our whole infrastructure. And also our laws need to be changed. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of work which is out there. In order to adjust to this new self-understanding, you know, that we are not separate. It's like a maturing, a growing up. And it happens through being with the discomfort of what becomes conscious. In the beginning, it's very, very uncomfortable and scary. And then if we stay with it, and you know, if we support each other to stay with it, if we co-regulate, it becomes more and more integrated because our minds open up, our hearts open up, and there's an adjusting going on. And this is how the path unfolds. Allowing more life into our mind. 
deeper into our hearts, allowing more world, don't having to shut it out, you know, and try to put the lid on and then feel scared, feel anxious. Because energetically, the body knows there's something which is knocking on the door and we need to let it in. It, you know, shows us old traumatic bubbles, you know, which are still stored in our bodies and haven't been transformed yet. But this is why this work is, can be very challenging, but if we start it, it can be done. Just, you know, one bite at a time, one step at a time, not all at once, that doesn't work. Is it that constant asking, as Anam Tupten said, you know, what is the state of my mind, of my heart right now? And how can I help everyone, including myself? And then, you know, allowing the space to come in through the cracks between the thoughts. The little nibbanas. That in a creativity beyond the intellect. Where we can make space, you know, in our own hearts and minds for that to emerge. You know, as it has happened since, you know, life started to be here on this planet. The constant flow of change and the change emerged when the old gives way to the new like a flower blossoming nature knows how to do that we just need to attune to it and we have the equipment to do so you know the body and the mind the heart they can resonate. They can choose to do this work. By stepping out of the repetition compulsion, which often, you know, has a traumatic underpinning. It needs to be gently freed. You know, as our ancestors have been doing this, otherwise we wouldn't be here today.
So it's, it's much more you know, like taking our seat in this long, long lineage of ancestors and doing our little bit. For all of those who come after us. That really is very, very helpful, you know, changing the perception to something much more real and natural. We are not alone in this. Seeing our lives in a much bigger context. That's what we have lost, you know, in this culture of hyper individualism, you know, which has hit the wall now. It can't go on like this, it doesn't lead anywhere. Because it's not true. You know, as we are, you know, changing our perception about our lives and, and our lot, so to say, and become more aware of the long lineage, you know, of ancestors we are embedded in. Not only human ancestors, but also animal ancestors, plant ancestors, mineral ancestors, the whole evolutionary trajectory of this planet. And there's also, you know, which is, has emerged out of the universe. Then, you know, it takes on a very different tenor. And, you know, cultivating that capacity to sense this interconnectedness, this non-separation, rather than desperately, you know, trying to find meaning for our individual existence. 
that is what we need to pay attention now on this uh, threshold. You know, and and uh, development goes always like in, you know, it's like a pendulum. There was a time when it was the right thing, you know, to really go into the individual and empower the individual. And now the time comes again where we need to swing back and see the embeddedness in the, into the collective, not only human, but also yeah, in the biosphere. Because we can't continue to destroy our environment because it's going to kill us. So that's you know, what we are now working on as a species to recognize that need and to cultivate it, familiarize ourselves with the truth because we have neglected it for a few hundred years, you know, as we were getting to know each other or to getting to know ourselves. And such growth, you know, is often connected with a lot of uh, discomfort, yeah. And we can use that uh, sensing of the discomfort as a means, you know, to open us up rather than to shut us down. by asking ourselves, you know, what's the, what's going on in this moment in me? What's the state of my mind? What am I bringing to the moment? And then from there, you know, sensing into the body. And connecting, you know, with the data flow, which is happening in the body, as the body is part of the planet, of the biosphere, which is a much vaster intelligence than the human intelligence. which is always, you know, only about me and everything referring back to me. And just, you know, allowing that to be informed by something bigger.
you know, rather than trying to desperately find a meaning for our individual existence, seeing, you know, how we can open up to this much vaster context and then play our little role inside of that context. which will emerge, you know, from this opening up. Being, you know, recruited by this vaster intelligence. And just you know, also noticing how that feels in the heart if we understand ourselves as part of something much, much vaster than ourselves. You know, really resting into this. Because, you know, we can also call that the Dharma. Dharma means nature. It's one of the words how it can be translated. And the Dharma wants to be realized. It's not hiding, hiding, you know. It's just the distractions through all of those habitual thought patterns that is what is between the heart and the Dhamma. And it can be transformed. Those emotional and cognitive way filters, they can be thinned out, you know, as we are practicing is we allowing the discomfort to open us up rather than shut us down further. Because first, you know, it feels intuitively that a contraction, that a shutting down is going to protect us. And, you know, as small infants, that was the right thing to do. But now we are ready, you know, to allow those filters to dissolve by 
sensing the contraction and allowing it to liquefy, allowing it to melt by feeling and sensing what has not been felt and sensed earlier because we weren't ready. And that's why we are doing it together because it's easier together. You know, and stepping out of that uh, habitual thought of uncomfortable is wrong and comfortable is right. That's something, you know, which is very deeply wired and quite unconscious. That is a big um, obstacle, you know, which we need to become conscious of. The equation of uncomfortable is wrong and comfortable is right. That's not true. That's at the root of consumer capitalism. And it is not working. You know, remembering through how many extremely uncomfortable situations, you know, the evolution of life had to go through to come to this point. Great, great challenges. You know, the first animals who came on land from the water and had to develop digits and limbs, you know, to start moving on land. That must have been so scary and uncomfortable. But it happened. If it wouldn't have happened, we wouldn't be here today. There's so many ways, you know, to respond to challenges. So many life forms have developed who have developed different responses. in order to grow and live and contribute. You know, all of our oxygen comes from plants. We couldn't be here without them. All our building materials, most lots of our food, we are so deeply, deeply 
interconnected with all life forms on this planet. And that's, you know, our working ground for developing increasing wisdom and compassion to wake up and to grow up. Both needs to happen. We are soon coming you know, to the end of the sitting and we can invite the blessings of all of our ancestors, their wisdom, you know, to come into this space. Encouragement. You know, for us to also become good ancestors. And, you know, allowing a measure of that discomfort as a contribution so that their future generations may have a decent place to live and to grow themselves, just as we have this opportunity. Just as Anam Tupten said, you know, what's going on in my mind right now, my heart mind, and how can I help? And then really see, you know, what comes forth from that aspiration. What is your bit? Because it's different for everyone but we can all support each other to develop the courage and the strength to ask the question. to ask the question with support of a teaching, you know, which is coming to us from Iron Age India. And, you know, with all of our ancestors behind us on a biosphere, you know, which is developing for almost 4 billion years. So there's a lot we have going. We just need to open to it.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.